Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Them All Was Taken, and I'm your host, Ryan Geyser. I don't have much to say in this intro today. Um, not much has gone on since last time. I bought my first car. That that was fun. It's working fine so far, and uh, can't wait to be in debt for the next several years. <laughs> Yay! I am also almost done Near Replicant and Neo The World Ends With You, so that's two more games I can cross off my list, and um, two more things that hopefully won't distract me from making this podcast, because I'm, I'm getting dangerously close to my deadlines for when I need to publish them before work. Oops. I would also like to apologize. I'm still a little bit sick in the episodes that are going to happen. I'm, I'm recovering. You might even actually be able to hear me recovering, just like you heard me get sick last time. But at least the first two are going to sound kind of congested and maybe even out of breath and low energy. So apologies for that. Um, but I think it's I think it's kind of fun actually hearing this. Just hearing me sink into COVID and then rise back out of it like a phoenix from the the Pokemon ashes. Is there a phoenix Pokemon? I don't really count Moltres. I don't really kind of consider Moltres a phoenix because it's. It's just the fire of, like, three other birds that aren't phoenixes. Is there a phoenix Pokemon? I don't remember. I have to look. Huh. Anywho, let's jump into today's episodes of Pokemon with... Episode 85, Fit to be Tied. Synopsis. Deciding to enter the Orange League, Ash sets out with his new companion and Pokemon to begin his new challenge. Ash is sailing the sea on his new Lapras, all of them having a good time until Pikachu almost falls off, Ash just barely catching him. The group then realize that they're all hungry, so Tracy suggests stopping at the nearby Mikan Island to eat, adding that one of the gyms is there. Ash, hearing the word gym, heartily orders a full speed ahead. Team Rocket tracks them with their Magikarp sub, which we'll see a lot of this arc. But James and Meowth become too tired to pedal as the structure slowly begins to sink into the water. After Jessie hits them, she reminds them that after the blimp crash, they need to work extra hard as they all start power pedaling again. Until the pedals lock up due to seaweed jamming the propulsion fan, causing them to all sink to the depths of the sea. Landing on the island, Ash recalls Lapras and stops at the Poke Center for a rest. While there, Ash calls up Professor Oak, with Tracy interrupting their call. Uh, I'm doing fine too, Professor Oak. Oh? And who might you be? Oh, my name is Tracy Sketchit, Professor. Tracy's a Pokemon watcher, Professor. Ah, a Pokemon watcher. Yes. While Tracy is trying to introduce himself, Muck interrupts the call again by glomping onto Oak, both sides hanging up shortly after. While walking to the gym, Tracy fangirls over Professor Oak, saying that he's really big in the Pokemon Watcher community, and that it's a super big deal to have a paper reviewed by him. Ash then asks Tracy what the gym leader is like, and he tells the boy that he heard the leader is one of the toughest trainers around. Because of course they are, every new challenge has to be the new toughest. Finally seeing Mike and Jim, Ash prepares to run towards it, until he sees something a little bit off the path. Huh? Uh, 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 a coconut! I'll just crack it open and drink the milk. Ash! You're soaking wet! 
After getting water dumped on him, a small child jumps out giggling, teasing Ash for falling for such a simple trap. <laughs> you can't be a very good trainer if you fell for a trick like that. Oh, yeah? Well, I was good enough to compete in the Indigo Pokemon League. Oh, the Indigo Pokemon League. What place did you come in, dead last? Oh, I was in the top 16. If that was the best you can do, you might as well go home. No, that wasn't cut awkwardly like I sometimes do when I talk and edit weirdly. Ash just actually sounded like that. Just as a battle slowly starts to ramp up, a woman walks out and scolds the boy for causing problems. Ash announces his desire for a gym battle, and the woman proudly introduces herself as Sissy, the Mike and Gym Leader. Ash remarks in surprise at Girl, despite having nearly had his butt beat by several girl trainers prior to this, including Erica and Celadon and Jeanette in the Indigo League. Tracy also begins to sketch her. Sissy tells Ash that they will both use water Pokemon. The younger brother tries to make fun of Ash again, but Sissy just shoves him away. Ash requests to know how many Pokemon the battle allows, but Sissy informs him that the Orange League does things a bit differently. Instead of battles, each side faces off in a collection of challenges to see if they win the badge. Sissy says she utilizes two challenges, then reveals that the first one is a water gun sharpshooting competition, each water Pokemon having to swim in a large pool before jumping out and hitting cans with shots of water. Sissy chooses to send out her Seedra, Ash wondering in shock what it is, despite having fought one in the league. Seedra, the dragon Pokemon. It is known for its horrible disposition, but possesses both strength and speed. It isn't gonna win any beauty contests either. Uh, hey, that's no fair! Huh. Well, it's never fair to judge by looks. After watching Seedra warm up by popping bubbles, Ash chooses Squirtle to represent his side, Sissy complimenting him on his turtle. Seedra then starts out strong by hitting the cans dead on, but Squirtle keeps up the pace, each knocked down one after another. Meanwhile, Tracy thirsts over the thought of Oak looking at his sketches, while Misty yells at Psyduck for playing with a GS ball. Get in this Pokeball, Psyduck. Get in here. All of the cans are eventually knocked down, both Pokemon tied. Sissy then opens the side of her gym, as her brother fires discs into the air to be hit with Water Gun next, Seedra demonstrating by shooting one, and then three in a row with ease. Squirtle then also manages to hit his easily, Sissy saying the final part of this match is a quick draw, both Pokemon aiming for the same target. However, as is almost expected at this point, both Pokemon hit the target at the same time, ending in a draw. Sissy then tells Ash that the only way to break a tie is with a Pokemon Wave Ride, a race where each trainer has their Pokemon swim around the buoy and back. She picks Blastoise, while Ash chooses his new Lapras, his Pokemon happily saying yes when Ash asks if it thinks it can win the race. However, just before the race can begin, Team Rocket emerges from the water. The trio emerge from the top of the sub nearly out of air, but after Sissy asks if they need help, they quickly recover and give the motto. <laughs> Prepare for tropical trouble! Make it Desert Island Double! It's the same thing every time. They changed the first part a little bit. Do you know what those people are talking about? <laughs> Not exactly, but we're used to it by now. Jesse! James. Ash asks them to just, like, you know, leave. 
But James yells that they went through too much to get here just to leave, flashing back to how he was chosen as the one to untangle the sub, freeing it but nearly drowning as it floated away from him. They then quickly turn their attention to Lapras and Blastoise, having wheezing smoke up the area. They then fire off a net, capturing Blastoise, but realizing that it's too small for both Pokemon, settling on just the one for now before they jump back in and pedal away, stealing the giant turtle. Ash yells that they have to stop them, but Sissy assures him that her Blastoise can handle things on its own. Shortly after pedaling away, the rocket sub jams up again, tangled in seaweed once more. They then try to pedal as hard as they can, but their bars all snap off, causing them to sink to the bottom of the ocean again, crying over their underwater deaths. However, Meowth then suggests that they all get out and push, the other two happily saying it's at least worth a shot. Just as they swim out to do so, Blastoise takes off back to the surface, bringing the sub and trio back with it before breaking out of the net. As the rockets prepare to try and capture it again in desperation, Pikachu puts his tail into the water and uses it to zap the ship, stunning the rockets long enough for Blastoise to hydrocannon them into the sky. Sissy and Dash quickly shrug the incident off, even faster than I could, and prepare to race. Ash wishes his Lapras luck, but Sissy then tells Ash to get on, as trainers have to surf on the Pokemon, which is really bad for Ash since the last time he surfed, he almost drowned. Both trainers mount their Pokemon, Ash struggling to balance, and each take off at the sound of a signal gun. Ash tries to have Lapras move closer to the center to take the turn a bit harder, but Blastoise keeps knocking Ash back, him almost falling until Lapras catches him. Despite the setback, they both remain even, each passing the checkpoint and turning around. Then, despite the sea being calm moments ago, a giant wave rushes out of nowhere. Lapras turns its head around and uses Ice Beam to block the wave from hitting it and Ash, but stops it just in time for it to hit Sissy, knocking her off the turtle. Blastoise quickly swims and catches her, and she rushes forward to just get ahead of Ash. Ash then comes up with an idea, having Lapras use Ice Beam to form an ice path right to the shore, sliding quickly along and catching up. Both trainers are neck and neck, but Lapras's head crosses just before Blastoise. As Ash starts to celebrate, Lapras hits the beach at high speeds, flinging him off into a tree. But after he recovers and celebrates for realsies, Sissy congratulates and compliments him, assuring him that he'll do great in the Orange League and handing him a Coral Eye badge. Ash comments that it kind of looks like a shell, Sissy saying that all the Orange League badges look like that. Later that day, the group is sailing off on Lapras once more. I wish I had a cool badge like that. I should have challenged her myself. <laughs> you have to be a good trainer to win one. What does that mean? Tracy finishes his sketch of Sissy riding Blastoise, Ash looks at his new badge, and the narrator wonders what his next gym opponent will be like. This anime came up with Sun and Moon's Island Challenge years before it even came out. Let's face it, the Island League is just a super short form island challenge, and I am totally here for it. Despite that, and how great Sissy would be as a mainline leader just because she's actually kind of cool, this is one of the more boring of the orange gyms. It's just a relatively uninteresting challenge. I say it should have been like all race, like the Ponyta episode. But instead, they spend a decent chunk of this episode shooting cans and dealing with Team Rocket, who could have been entirely cut with no change to the episode. They just 
exist, and not even in a super funny way. However, this episode does serve as a good way to introduce Lapras as a battler, and the kind of de facto mascot of this arc too. So, I can appreciate it for that at least. But they really should have had Lapras battle the Rockets, not Blastoise. Have them interrupt in the middle of the race. Lapras deals with them and somehow gets ahead and wins as a result. Boom, better episode. But what we got is fun enough, I suppose. Alrighty, let's move on to... Episode 86, Pikachu Revolts. That's vault like electricity, not the actual word revolt. Do do you get it? Do you get it? Synopsis. On a new island, our hero's Pokemon suddenly turn against them before running off. In an attempt to help their partners, the Poke crew has no choice but to team up with Jesse and James. After winning the Mike and Jim, the group once again rides along on Lapras, Ash once again begging for food. Tracy suggests that they dock at Mandarin Island, which has this famous city on it, Ash hungrily agreeing. We then see two Team Rocket members lurking in the secret computer base, watching Ash arrive and planning to get revenge. Upon landing, the trio sees some trainers getting attacked by some aggressive Magnemite, Voltorb, and Grimer. As Ash and Pikachu run over to help, Pikachu is suddenly mentally struck by something. He then stops in place, and quickly turns to face Ash with an extremely angry expression. Togepi also jumps out of Misty's arms, joining Pikachu. Ash cautiously approaches his Pokemon, but is electrocuted. Both Pokemon turn away from the group in slow motion, moving to join the other aggressors. Ash tries to stop them, but is surrounded and zapped by the Magnemite. He tries to move forward regardless, but a Voltor blows up to stop him. Just as Tracy says they need to run, Ash and the other trainers all realize that their Pokemon are gone. Ash screaming Pikachu's name. An Officer Jenny then rides up on a motorcycle, asking what happened. After hearing the explanation, she tells the group that this isn't the first time this has happened, other Pokemon also rebelling and vanishing. A ghastly then suddenly appears over her face, scaring the Poke crew. She moves it aside and scolds it for teasing them, then brings the group back to the station. They immediately contact Professor Oak, who has trouble figuring out what's going on. He muses that it could be an outside force manipulating the Pokemon, and Jenny suggests that it may be a psychic type, since her ghost-type Ghastly hasn't been affected. Jenny says that her and her partner will find the lost Pokemon, Ash insisting that he'll help too. Tracy tries to figure out who's a possible suspect, and Ash demands an answer, causing the artist to snap back really angrily. There must be somebody behind this who's using a psychic Pokemon. But who, Tracy? Who did this to Pikachu? Ash, try to take it easy, will ya? I'm just trying to figure this thing out just like you are. Uh. Ash apologizes, him and Misty saying that they're just really worried about their Pokemon. Jenny and the group then set out on their hunt. The Rocket Trio, meanwhile, arrive in Mandarin City as well. There it is, the Big Orange. Can we go on a guided tour, Jess? We ain't here to see the sights. We're here to catch that Pikachu, so let's hurry up and catch it! I'll teach you! Wire! 
Just as Meowth prepares to scuffle with his friends, he's also hit with a mind beam, suddenly going limp and then rushing off silently on all fours, his teammates following after him. The cat leads the duo to a fenced-off building with a giant satellite dish before he hops down the hole in the entrance gate. Meowth lands at the bottom, standing at attention as two people lower from a giant pillar. I am here to save you. A talking Meowth? Hmm. Could it be? Just as it's revealed that Butch and Cassidy, the rockets behind the daycare scheme, are the true masterminds, Jesse and James fall into the entrance as well. Both teams see and then begin arguing with each other. Cassidy! And Butch! Uh, the name is Butch! There's only room for one Team Rocket! Then prepare for trouble! Huh? You're the ones who should prepare for trouble! Uh, you two don't even know how to say the motto! You've just made your trouble double. I'm the one who has the next line. To protect the world from devastation. To infect the world with devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To blight all peoples in every nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. The goodness of truth and love. Reach to the stars above. Wrath to the stars above. Jesse Cassidy. James. Butch. Team Rocket blast off at the speed of light. Team Rocket circling Earth all day and night. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Surrender to us now or you'll surely lose the fight. We say it just as good as you do. Cassidy then begins teasing Jesse about rumors of her being fired. James begging to know if there were any rumors about him as well, maybe? Jesse angrily assumes the rumors were Cassidy's doing in the first place and wonders why they're not still in jail, the other two explaining that the boss sprang them out personally. Meowth then begins to snuggle up to the other Rocket duo, as they show Jesse and James the large collection of Pokemon they've hypnotized. Now Rockets decide to steal the stolen Pokemon for themselves, sending out Arbok, Lickitung, Weezing, and Victory Bell to do so. Also, this is the first time we've seen Lickitung since its debut, so yay! Cassidy and Butch then decide to reveal their scheme, a drowsy hooked up to the satellite and an amplifier. Our rockets try to use their Pokemon, but similar to the Poke Crews, their team rebels and attacks them instead. Cassidy and Butch then order the Pokemon to get Jesse and James, going to commercial as they scream. When the show returns, Team Rocket awakens injured in the police station, Jenny and our heroes giving them first aid. It's a nightmare! Sorry, it's real! <laughs> Don't be so rough, will ya? Huh? Never mind. I'll be quiet. Okay, you're all set. I think that hurt. It's revealed that Ghastly found them, and they're now suspects in the Pokemon kidnappings. However, when the duo start crying over their lost Pokemon, the group realizes that they're telling the truth when they say they're not involved. Jenny tries to get answers, but the two leave, refusing to work with the police. A cab. Jenny tries to get them to stop, and Ash blocks the door. Something bad is happening to Pikachu and the other Pokémon, and you're not leaving till you tell us what you know! <laughs> what do you think? It couldn't hurt to help them this once. But only this once. I knew you guys had come through! At the secret rocket lair, Jesse and James approach, offering a laundry cart full of Pokéballs as a peace offering, and asking to work together, maybe, please. 
Deciding that some spare balls wouldn't hurt, Cassidy and Butch let them in. So what brought about this sudden change of heart? Oh, we decided we'd like to be friends. Let's call a truce so we can all be one big happy Team Rocket. This isn't like you two. Well, maybe that's because there are more than just the two of us now. That's right. Jenny and our main trio somehow all having fit in the basket jump out, saying the Rockets are under arrest. Recovering from the shock of this event quickly, Cassidy and Butch reveal their small army, along with Drowsy. Ash acts like he's never seen one, despite that being very untrue, and Pokédexes it. Ash demands his Pokémon back, but Drowsy has them all ready in attack. Jenny sends her ghastly at it, the ghost unaffected by the psychic attacks. Seeing this, the Rockets have Drowsy send the army directly at the group. They all combine electricity, fire, and water shots into one giant burst, shooting it right at the group. Ash tries to run into it to reach Pikachu, Ghastly thankfully blocking the attack with some miasma. Ash then crawls towards the hypnotized Pokemon, Cassidy and Butch having Pikachu attack him specifically to kick him while he's down. However, after taking the jolt, Ash smiles and begins running around, provoking Pikachu's attacks, recovering quickly when he does get hit due to his increased pain tolerance. He then stands right on Drowsy's machine, baiting one more electric burst. It hits him dead on, but in the process, it blows up the machine! Drowsy faints, and all the Pokémon break out of their hypnosis. Togepi, Pikachu, and Team Rocket's Pokémon all reunite happily with their trainers. Jesse tries to escort everyone out, but Butch and Cassidy attempt to stop them. James then has his wheezing smog the room, allowing the humans and Pokemon to all escape safely. Outside, just as Ash and the Rockets both begrudgingly compliment each other, Butch and Cassidy appear on the roof with a revived Drowsy, Cassidy demanding her and Jesse settle their scores. Ash jumps into the fray as well, saying he can't let them get away with this. He has Pikachu zap Drowsy, but it teleports out of the way and right in front of the rodent. Jesse then tries to have Arbok attack, but the Pokemon teleports again. Ash seems worried, but Jesse calmly assures him that they'll win. The Rockets have all of their Pokemon charge Drowsy, but it mega punches them all away. While recovering, the other Rockets prepare to have Drowsy send its psychic attack right into the antenna. Ash rushes to stop them, but Drowsy prepares a metronome attack. While Tracy worries at the uncertainty of what could happen, Togepi begins imitating the metronome's motions. The scene then flashes between each of the groups repeatedly, the only sound being Togepi's little chitters. Just as Pikachu is about to attack, Togepi launches their metronome, causing a giant explosion centered on the building, blowing it all to rubble. Cassidy and Butch are then arrested and carted off. Jesse and James hoping they don't get bailed out this time. Bye! The next day, Jenny awards Ash's group honorary citizenship. She also has something for Jesse and James, but the two are nowhere to be found. The Rocket Trio is revealed to be watching from the roof, having complicated thoughts on the matter. Imagine, accepting an award for doing something good. Yes, but it would be nice to get congratulations for doing something right for a change. Wrong is where we belong. We've got a job to do and it happens to be a bad one. Someday we'll capture that Pikachu, just you wait and see. Yo-ho! 
Ash's group then takes off on Lapras again, waving goodbye as Tracy remarks that, hey, the only time the Rockets won was when they sided with their group. Ash laughs at the irony of it, while Pikachu looks curiously at an excited Togepi. This is a pretty fun episode. Seeing Team Rocket's antics actually work and having the twerps involved leads to a pretty funny scenario. Plus, bringing back the two competent Rocket members makes for a pretty intense episode with slightly higher stakes. I mean, come on, the ending scene with Metronome is kind of wild for a normal anime episode. Speaking of Metronome, I think it's funny how the writers were probably more or less like, well, uh, she's had Togepi for a while now, huh? Think we should do something with it? Ugh, fine. And just suddenly giving the baby importance outside of ruining Pikachu's life. And it's basically one of the main side stories for the Orange Island, and even part of Gen 2. Anyway, this is a pretty solid episode, and is actually the first of a surprising handful of episodes where Pikachu becomes hypnotized and tries to kill Ash. Alright lads, let's move on to who who Episode 87, The Crystal Onyx. Synopsis. Landing on a city known for its artisans, the group meets a glass sculptor that has fallen into an artist's block. Asking our heroes for help, they set off to locate an onyx made out of crystal, hoping to inspire the sculptor. Our group, still sailing around on Lapras, notices something floating in the water. Swimming up to get a closer look, Lapras picks up a message in a bottle, giving it to Ash. The letter inside, signed by a girl named Marissa from Sunburst Island, asks whoever found the note to give any information they may have about a crystal onyx to her. Tracy tells the group that it's a fabled onyx made out of clear crystal, Ash expressing interest in looking for it. And, coincidentally, the group notices that they're basically right in front of Sunburst Island, deciding to stop by it. Arriving in the shopping district, our heroes admire all the fancy art and glassware, Tracy saying that the crystal and glass shops here are world-renowned. Pikachu then looks through a glass vase, making his face all silly before Ash spooks his Pokemon by saying that if he breaks it, Pikachu has to pay for it. They then see a grown man bullying this like little five-year-old girl by saying her absolutely garbage shop should just close already, and that her brother is talentless and should just give up. <laughs> cool, rad dude, thanks. When the girl defends her brother and looks like she's about to cry, he backpedals super hard. He's very good. Oh, come on, don't stop crying on me. What? What's going on here? Is there a problem? What? What's it to you? You know her? Well, no, we don't know her. All I know is being next to them's killing my business. These kids today, sticking their noses mm. where they don't belong. Eesh. Ash's group asks if the girl is okay, and inquire if she runs the shop by herself. She explains that her brother Mateo runs it, but that he hasn't been able to make much recently. She then reveals that her name is Marissa, and our heroes confirm that she was the one who sent the bottled message out. She begs to learn about the Crystal Onyx, but the group hesitantly reveal that they don't actually know anything, to her sadness. To learn more about the Onyx, they all go inside to speak with Mateo. He explains that when his grandfather ran the store, it was massively successful, with countless people loving how realistic and emotive his sculptures were. However, after his death, Mateo struggled to follow in his footsteps, unhappy with his work. 
Ash, Misty, and Tracy all remark that his Pokemon sculptures look great, even realistic. But Mateo throws one to the ground, saying that it's still not as good as his grandfather's. He goes on to say that they're just not emotive enough. They look like statues and not real Pokemon with souls. Ash wonders what the heck he's on about, with Tracy explaining that artists need a spark to create, otherwise it's difficult for them to make anything. Mateo says that all he needs to do is capture the Crystal Onyx, saying that it's what inspired his grandfather, and that he's sure it'll do the same for him as well. He then shows them a glass sculpture of the Onyx, to prove how amazing his grandfather's work was. Seeing his wish, the group agrees to help him find the Pokemon. Meanwhile, Team Rocket looks at glassware, plotting what to steal later. While Jesse and James fawn over some dining ware, Meowth yells at them, causing the items to fall and shatter. The shopkeeper that was yelling at Marissa tells them the break it by it rule as the scene transitions to them chopping wood outside. Ugh. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Why do we have to suffer this indignity? We have to pay him, and we don't have a cent. So we gotta wake. <laughs> Overhearing the shopkeepers make fun of Mateo's onyx hunt, the Rockets rush off to look for it as well. Ash's gang begins their search, Tracy having Venonat scan the onyx sculpture, which they decided to bring with them for some reason, despite its fragility. It then bounces ahead, leading the group to a rock pile that kind of looks like an onyx if you squint. Tracy is then extremely mean to his Venonat. Venonat, how could you let me down? Oh well. Time to return, Venonat. Like, wow, that was really rude. Give the bug some slack, like you could do better. He then decides to try another Pokemon, saying that it's just the one to find the Onyx. Then why didn't you start with it, Tracy? Why did you set up this poor tiny bug for failure? The young lad then sends out a Meryl making it the third Generation 2 Pokemon to be shown off, with Togepi and that oddly placed Dawn fan in the movie being the first two. Thinking that sensitive ears can help, Tracy plays an Onyx's cry and asks it to hear one out. After a couple of seconds, the chubby mouse quickly leads them deeper into the woods and eventually to the beach. It then points to an island a short ways away as the tide suddenly shifts and a bridge of sand forms to connect the two islands way faster than any tide change would conceivably work. This was also all unnecessary since Ash could just use Lapras, but the group appreciates the easy walk regardless. As they rush towards it, however, a pitfall opens up beneath them, all five people somehow falling into it. Mateo also gives the lamest panicked voice ever. What should we do? Team Rocket makes themselves known, making a bunch of weird Ginyu Force poses as they give their motto, with Misty yelling at them. Team Rocket! Why don't you just pretend you're a tree and leave? Ooh, funny. Who told you that one, Professor Oak? The Rocket Trio make known their intent to steal the Onyx, despite not knowing where on the other island it even is, and then run off! Marissa begins to cry, but Ash promises that they'll get to the Pokemon before the Rockets do. It then cuts to the group running across the sandbar, having gotten themselves out off screen. They reach the island, rushing through the trees, but then suddenly stop when they see Meowth caught in a snare trap, Jesse in a cage, and James holding himself over another hole. 
They explained that they were hoping to get the drop on the twerps again by setting some more traps, but they kind of all caught each other in the traps. Meowth then demands that they be let free and search for the Onyx together, but Misty declines their offer. Meryl then points to a nearby cave, the group delving into it. Inside, they discover a pristine lake, surrounded by sparkling clear crystals. The mouse then jumps into the lake, before alerting the group to the crystal onyx, almost invisible in the water, swimming closer and closer. After a few tense seconds, it emerges from the water, the group marveling at its splendor. Marissa clings to her brother in fear, while he sends out a cloister to battle it, thinking water will be effective despite having just seen it chilling in the water a second ago. Mm. However, as kind of expected, the Pokemon's water attack has no effect on the Onyx. The Rock Snake then headbutts Cloyster, slamming it into a wall and into unconsciousness. Team Rocket then suddenly runs in, demanding the Onyx themselves. Meowth breaks the fourth wall by directing the cameraman to lower the camera to him, and refuses to answer how they escaped. I don't get it. How did you three escape? That is a secret you will never know. The writers can't figure it out either. They send out Arbok and Victory Bell, the plant chomping on James's head. Misty then sends out Staryu, which demolishes the Pokemon with one rapid spin. Pikachu then lightly taps them with his tail, electrocuting them. The Rockets then try to jump up and escape, but run right into the Onyx. Failing to appease it, the Crystal Pokemon then tail whips them through the cave ceiling and into the sky like a Smash Bros. sandbag. Mateo then steals his resolve, sending out his glass-making partner, Charmeleon. It dodges Onyx's rock throw before hitting it with a flamethrower, damaging it. It then uses Ember, which looks more like a fire spin than an Ember. Onyx, who could dive into the water at any time to cool off, instead begins to glow bright red from the heat building up inside of it. Mateo stares in awe at this sight, reaching an artistic epiphany that's animated pretty coolly. It zooms in on his eyes, which have Onyx inside of them. It then zooms in on the Onyx from his eyes, which has a bunch of reflections of him on it, and then the scene loops for a bit, possibly to save costs, but it still looks rad. After staring at each other for a moment, the Onyx suddenly cools off and faints, landing in the water unconscious. Ash encourages Mateo to capture it, but he declines, no longer needing to, having overcome his artist block. The Crystal Onyx then suddenly rises again, diving back into the water to give the show an excuse to not have Ash catch it and having to animate it more as a result. Everyone then returns to the shop, where Charmeleon keeps the glass hot as Mateo works on it, everyone watching eagerly for the results. It then fades to the group leaving and waving goodbye, not at sunset for once, but instead during midday. As they leave, the group looks at a small glass Pikachu Ash is holding, knowing that Mateo's store is destined for success with this kind of work as they approach the port to leave the island. While the last episode kind of showed it, this one really shows just how experimental the Orange Islands gets. While the Indigo League helped the creators of this show figure out what Pokemon was as a baseline, Orange Islands has them messing around with the next layer, seeing what they can do with this established lore. It's almost like they ran out of ideas, but in a good way, so they're just kind of like throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what sticks. 
We see Pokemon being used in shops for practical purposes, which is great. I love to see that. We see them messing around even more with the animation and posing, experimenting, and having fun with it. We see them show off next-gen Pokemon as a teaser, and we see a Crystal Onyx, a wild idea that ends up really cool. So cool, in fact, that fans still remember this episode and ask for the Onyx in Pokemon Go or the like. And who knows, with terrestrialization in Scarlet and Violet, we might actually see it. Kind of, at least, maybe. Still, this is a very fun and enjoyable episode that I encourage people to not skip. And speaking of not skipping, please listen to this next episode, which is... Episode 88, In the Pink! Which is a really odd name. Synopsis. The group accidentally lands on a nature reserve full of Pokemon that are all pink. But Team Rocket also discovers this island and plans to steal all of the Pokemon from it. Ah, another day at sea, with the gang enjoying a peaceful day. Ash polishes the GS ball and Tracy tries to play peekaboo with Togepi with very little effect. He then mentions to Misty that it's weird Togepi hasn't learned any attacks yet. Misty then flashes back to trying to train her Pokemon to learn Headbutt, but Togepi just hugs the training dummy instead, with Misty knocking herself out while trying to demonstrate. Just as Ash tries to tease Misty, a giant whirlpool appears out of nowhere and sucks the group in! This thing is like the size of a cruise ship, how did they not see or hear it at all? The group then wakes up on a beach, all okay and unseparated, which means this is a better sea-related vortex incident than the first one. Tracy then takes stock of the island, realizing that the geography indicates they may be on Pinkin Island, a landmass surrounded by whirlpools and steep cliffs, leaving it mostly unexplored. He then rushes to the cliff, thinking that there may be undiscovered Pokemon on the island, and insists that the group follow after him. They scale the cliffs no problem, Tracy telling the group to be quiet when they reach him, pointing out a Rhyhorn eating pink berries. Except that the Rhyhorn is completely pink! Tracy slowly creeps closer, using the wind to mask his scent before crouching in the grass and quickly sketching the Pokemon. Which looks like a regular Rhyhorn since he doesn't use colors. He also comments that it looks to be about 8 meters long, which is not true. That rhino is not nearly 26 feet long. Ash worries that Tracy shouldn't be that close, but Misty comments that the lad's a professional and knows what he's doing. At least more than Ash knows. Offended at this insult, Ash insists that he knows plenty and rushes out of hiding towards the Pokemon. Hey there, Rhyhorn! How you doing, buddy? Don't run away, it's only me! See guys, I know what I'm doing! After getting right up and petting their eye horn, it knocks Ash away, with him conveniently landing right next to Tracy, the eye horn noticing him as well. Listen, Tracy, normally I'd sympathize with you putting up with Ash's stupidity, but you butted into this group without permission yourself, this is all on you. Being chased by the rampaging Pokemon, they rush towards Misty, who begs them to stay back! Then, they're all cornered at the edge of a cliff, the Pokemon rushing right at them! 
until Togepi uses Metronome again, teleporting the group out of the way at the last second and causing Rhyhorn to run right off the cliff and get stuck on a hanging branch below. The trio wonder how they were teleported, with Misty starting to suspect maybe it was Togepi, since Pikachu, the only other Pokemon out, doesn't know teleport. Obviously. Ash then asks Tracy how he managed to get so close. I just followed two of the basic rules of Pokemon watching. I approached the Rhyhorn from downwind and made my breathing match its breathing. Breathing? To live as a Pokemon watcher, one must breathe as a Pokemon watcher. Breathing? Big deal. Misty then wonders about the status of the Rhyhorn before the group looks over the cliff to see to their horror its predicament. A horn then honks at them, an Officer Jenny riding up in a jeep, saying that the kids are all on a restricted nature reserve. Actually, she says it a lot more gently like that, all things considered. She's, she's pretty nice about it, honestly. Finally, an officer that realizes they're just dumb kids and not master criminals. After explaining that they're here by accident, they then ask Jenny to help the Rhyhorn. Getting our heroes to help, Ash and Tracy are lowered down, tying the surprisingly calm Rhyhorn up with a rope and raising it back up using the jeep's reverse. Out on the sea, Jigglypuff is riding a coconut, which is then knocked out of the way by a periscope. Team Rocket watching the Rhyhorn rescue, amazed that it's pink. It's a pink Rhyhorn. Is it a shocking pink or more of a pale pastel pink? As they begin to pedal full speed towards the island, they're also caught in the whirlpool, the scene transitioning and leaving that as a them problem. The Rhyhorn is then safely rescued, Jenny checking and assuring the group that it's fine as it then walks off. Ash wonders why it didn't attack Jenny, with her explaining that Ash's group is new, so the Pokemon got a bit nervous. She, however, has been guarding this island for a while, so it recognized her. <laughs> Usually that Rhyhorn's very shy. Then maybe it's a shy horn! Tracy then quickly gets the group's attention, pointing out that Pikachu, who's eating one of the berries, has suddenly had his cheeks and the yellow part of his tail turn pink. Jenny assures the group that it's fine, it's just a result of the pink in berries, which only grow here and make all the Pokemon who eat them turn a similar shade of pink. She tells Ash not to worry, and that it'll wear off soon as long as Pikachu stops munching on the berries. Team Rocket, meanwhile, has crashed near the cliffs on the island. While recovering and getting ready to hunt for the Rhyhorn, Jigglypuff appears from behind their sub. Ah! Hey, look! That's pink, too! Imagine a pink Jigglypuff! But wait, aren't Jigglypuffs always pink? Yes, they are. Ah! Look, it's gonna save! Ah! Run for it! Thank God we didn't get another lame and pointless Jigglypuff sleep segment. That would have been... Way too much torment for this episode. As the rockets run through the trees of the island, they stop and marvel at the pink Pokemon, daydreaming of opening a theme park based on the color. It's an incredible animated sequence, filled with dapper dancing Pokemon and cross-dressing Jesse and James, and I encourage you to watch it. But I will play the song that they sing. Let's 
get started. Yeah. James then sends out Victory Bell before it eats him. Jesse sighs and sends out Lickitung. James amazed that it's pink too. Jesse hitting him for his dumb comment. Lickitung then decides to target two little Nidoran, which quickly flee from it and run into a cave. Jesse pushes Lickitung in after them, but it runs from the cave almost as soon as it enters. Just as the trio was wondering why, a massive pink Nidoking emerges, chasing after them angrily. Elsewhere, Jenny brings the Pokey crew to her headquarters, firmly explaining that they're on a reserve which forbids trainers. Which marks the second time Ash and Misty are nearly arrested on suspicion of poaching from a reserve. Ash apologizes once again, and Jenny lets them off the hook, adding that she couldn't have rescued Rhyhorn without them, despite it being their fault in the first place. The three then decide to call Professor Oak, who jokes that it's surprising they aren't arrested yet. He then goes on to explain that he knows about the semi-secret island, and that its geography and the way the Pokemon developed fascinates researchers that know of it. He then warns that if the world knew of the island, poachers would flock to it, stealing and abusing the Pokemon. Thankfully, Jenny and some other briefly shown rangers protect the island as an extra defense alongside the whirlpool and cliffs. Muck then glomps Oak, Ash hanging up while laughing. Just as Ash makes a pun about it, an alarm goes off, Jenny rushing out. The kids ask what's happening, and she says that someone was detected landing on the island. Our heroes then beg to help, Jenny letting them. Which also marks the second time Ash and Misty hear an alarm go off and offer to help Officer Jenny stop some poachers who are actually Team Rocket. Wild life they live, huh? Team Rocket continues running from the Nido King. James then has the bright idea to have Weezing use smokescreen in a panic, which slows the Pokemon down. Jesse then has Arbok wrap it, giving Licky Tongue the chance to lick and paralyze the Nido's head. Just as they celebrate their victory, Officer Jenny shows up, asking what the trouble is. Hearing their trigger word, the two dress up in oversized pink Gengar and Tauros costumes. I think you'd better prepare for trouble. I'm in the pink, so make it double. Not the best word choice, James! Meowth then bets that they're not gonna be stopped this time, and Ash is like, okay, bet, and has Pikachu Thundershock and instantly demolish all their Pokemon. Jesse just declares that they'll take Pikachu too somehow. But before they can do anything, Nidoking wakes up and throws the pile of unconscious Pokemon back at the Rocket Duo. It then smacks them with its tail, flinging them off and away into the sky. Which also marks the second time in a row the Rocket Trio has been tail whipped away by a uniquely colored Pokemon. Fun life they lead. The Nidoking, still angry, turns towards the Jeep. Jenny peels out of there, but the Nidoking is too fast and is about to catch up. Misty decides to help by sending out Starmie, despite the fact that her Starmie is currently residing in Cerulean Gym. I think they meant Staryu, but it's funnier this way. Regardless, Psyduck pops out instead, standing confused right in the Nidoking's path. Seeing the threat, it cries and runs fast enough to match the Jeep, Misty yelling at it. Tracy then sends out Meryl, having it use Water Gun. Except it also cries upon seeing it, hopping back into the car. Ash decides it's his turn and has Pikachu electrocute it to no effect. Jenny says it's because it's on a rampage, but it's probably just because of the type matchup. The car then approaches a cliff with nowhere else to go. 
Nido King then fires a hyperbeam right at the group. But moments before it hits, Togepi procs another metronome, creating a shield to defend the group. The Nido King is momentarily surprised, but then just resumes charging. Jenny orders everyone get out of the car and run, which they agree to do. She then throws a lasso at the Nido King, wrapping it up before spinning circles around it in her car and completely restraining him. Later that day, she takes the group on a boat to a spot away from the whirlpools, reminding them of their promise not to tell anyone about the island's ping Pokemon. And I also just realized that Jesse, James, and Meowth would make a great scouting group. Like, Giovanni should just have them follow Ash around and report on any interesting Pokemon they find, then send a full team out to actually nab it. Pink and Island would be absolutely demolished by the Rockets if the trio just told their boss about it. Anyway, Misty then tells the group about her suspicions that the teleport and barrier were from Togepi, but the other two doubt it and make fun of her, despite not having any better ideas. Ash then does the forbidden technique of stealing someone's sketchbook, flipping through Tracy's work and spotting a drawing of Jenny lassoing. Oh! Well, a guy can't just watch Pokemon all the time. <laughs> Misty tries to get Togepi to use Metronome again, too little success as the episode draws to a close. Here we continue the trend of them just doing whatever they want with the Orange Islands, and it's great. So, more on the list of canonical stuff in Pokemon. Person that turns you into a doll with her mind. Santa Claus is real and employs racial stereotypes and Lapras minors. Ghosts are real and separate from ghost-type Pokemon. And berries that make Pokemon pink if you eat them. Sure, the last one's maybe not as wild, but I still feel like it should get added. Honestly, though, this episode is like half original and half just the Kangaskhan kid again. Sure, we have pink Pokemon, no Kangas, no Mechas, no Wild Child, but otherwise the plots are kinda similar in a weird way. I don't know, it might just be a Simpsons did it moment though. While the episode does have a few amusing parts, overall it's not too special of an episode. It's only really important because Togepi is like shown to know Metronome and Misty kinda starts to figure it out, but other than that, it's an alright watch, but not really a necessity if you don't count that metronome thing hi again friends it's me intro ryan and i'm coming at you a bit lower energy right now because you know i think you deserve it i think you deserve a rest a break and treating yourself to some asmr so go enjoy your day i'm just gonna quickly plug this you know make sure to follow subscribe whatever your service asks you to do make sure to tell your friends after your nap of course and i hope you have a good one you know just a great morning day evening outside of space time whatever it is and go go take your rest go just have a nice little snooze and follow me at one of Ari on twitter but also just take a nap it's very important that you do Bye.